In this episode, we talk driving the RZ450E in Barcelona, living with the LX600F Sport, and finally getting a glimpse of the all-new RX. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Watts, founder of Lexus Enthusiast, and Michael Pannone joining us. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. It's, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're not too good at this regular podcast thing, are we? Yeah, it's been a little rough, but <laughs> I guess the other side of that is you've had a lot of good stuff happening to talk about. So even if we're uh, a little behind schedule, we, we're not showing up with a shortage of things to talk about. No, that's absolutely true. It's been a really busy time. Unusually busy, actually. I went from driving the LX to flying to Barcelona to drive the RZ. We got the RX teasers to talk about. Like mm-hmm. those are th- those are three major things. Yeah, we've got some good stuff. So, with that said, do you want to jump into chatting about the RZ 450e? I think that's a good place to start. Okay, cool. Tell us a little bit about the event. I know it was a pretty exclusive invitation. Not a whole lot of people got to go. So tell us a bit about Barcelona, the event, what it was like. Yeah, set it up for us. Yeah, sure. Like, so basically it was a four day event. Two of those days were travel. Only really had two days in, in Barcelona. So it made for a whirlwind sort of event. They had us at the Nobu in the center of Barcelona. Mm, nice. As you would expect from Lexus Hospitality, of course. Yeah. So I, I arranged my flights in a way so that I could participate in. They had like a tour of Barcelona the one day. And it's really hard with something like this. You you don't want to feel like imprisoned in your hotel room. You want to be able <laughs> to experience the uh, the place that you're at. So that was really important to me. It's particularly when you're talking about a, a transatlantic flight and um, right. It's a lot of work to get over there. Yeah, exactly. So we did have a bit of a you know a tour of Barcelona, and that was really cool. But like you said, it was it was only about six of us in total. It was like CNET and Motor Trend, and they had a track out outside of Barcelona, about forty minutes outside of Barcelona. But the important thing to think about is that they only brought us there to really experience this drive-by wire yoke steering. So we were really limited in our time with the RZ. It wasn't a traditional sort of first drive event. They only had two RZs there. These RZs are the only ones basically functioning RZs that they have. The software wasn't complete. One of them didn't have like drive mode select, which I thought was like, I found really crazy like to be driving vehicles of at that level of prototype. And the other thing was, is they used to have three, I guess, and something happened to the third one. So we didn't really have a lot of opportunity to really get used to the car or like, you know, look at it outside of the cool down periods that they had Mm -hmm. between the cycling, between the different uh, media. So speaking of, uh, you you know, you mentioned kind of like some of the, the media cycling in, some of the car sitting and back, getting back in the cars. I'm curious when you saw it, what does the RZ look like in person? The thing that I, I wasn't really sure about was the absence of the front grill. The mm-hmm. grill with a Lexus is very important, and I wasn't really sure if how it was going to like look. I am a person that spends a lot of time thinking about how the exterior of a car looks, the interior of a car looks. Mm-hmm. And I was actually quite impressed with the shape of it. The front end, like all EVs, I think, I don't know. I'm not a really big fan. (laughs) Like, I don't like the smooth front ends. Mm -hmm. But what they've done, they've incorporated this idea of, like, a spindle body. (laughs) 
So right. they have the spindle grill and now it, it's morphed into this spindle body. So the entire shape of the car, it like comes in on the sides and then flares out in the back, just like the spindle grill. I mean, hmm. I don't know how far they're going to take this, but it's really the, the standout thing about the RZ is the interior. The interior, it has that sort of minimalist Tesla appearance. Yeah. But we're talking about Lexus quality here. And even in my limited time there in it, the interior is just so peaceful. <laughs> like I did really like the interior. Uh we I know we chatted a bit about it. It when the NX first came out, you know, we were like, okay, there's there's some things here I like. And yeah. it seems like the RZ sort of, you know, is like the perfected version of that f- design philosophy. Yeah, and I think that that really shows a lot is like they've really simplified it down to like to a point where the passenger really it, it almost feels like they're in like a home. You know mm. what I mean? Like there's just something about it that just feels really peaceful. Even the the driver side, the way that they placed the screen and mm-hmm. the you know the the NX has that but the but the LX didn't have it. I mean, we'll get into that. Right. But, but just the way that they've integrated all of that in together, the the yoke steering wheel, like we'll talk about the driving experience, but the yoke steering wheel in it in and of itself is kind of a weird thing. You kind of feel like a either like a an airline pilot or like a you know yeah. f1 driver but yeah i don't really see the benefit of it even in the event they struggled to describe why they decided to go with this but hmm. it's definitely one of those cool things like i think just with uh, them introducing their their first ev dedicated ev they kind of wanted something that was unusual a talking point and it definitely does that one question that i had about the design and the execution of it was, you know, it seems like Z could be this body style between, you know, S as sedans and X as SUVs. Mm -hmm. Did that translate in person? Did it feel like the RZ really is this middle ground between the two? Uh, I know we talk about, you know, sometimes Lexus has missed out on the crossover SUV segment and stuff like that. But Yeah. yeah, tell me what you think. It did take me almost all day to realize that I was driving around in, in a crossover. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's the, the clearest indication of what they've been able to achieve with this car. I, I really feel like the driving experience is better than any crossover Lexus has done. I have yet to drive the NX, but at the same time, I can't imagine it being as capable as this. Like we were on the track and the idea was to experience the, the driving yoke and the steer by wire. But when you're on a track, you, you, you actually do end up driving crazy because you're on a track, right? You're like, oh, I'm just going to push this as far. It really was able, it really acquitted itself well on the track. And I started to get into this mindset like, oh, I'm driving a new sedan. I'm, you know, like this isn't a crossover at all. But, you know, you turn around and you see all the, the rear space in the, in the back. And it really... It really is a new chapter for the brand. And, and I know that it's paired with the BZ4X and that's a Toyota product, but definitely we're able to, to make this into what to me feels like a, a, a new chapter for Lexus. Nice. I, that, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of size, does it feel like roughly the size of an RX or a little bigger, a little smaller? It feels smaller driving. Okay. It feels smaller than an RX. Inside, okay. it has just as much room. I don't know that it has as much uh, trunk space, but mm-hmm. it's it is a it is a large vehicle, and but it's deceiving in its size. Mm-hmm. Like when you're driving, it doesn't feel as big as it is, but it's so low to the ground. Like I'm not a big fan of crossover coupes, right? In general, um, 
I just find them to be a little frumpy. Yeah, in, I agree. In the design, like they're just <laughs> yeah, like, like the rears are always just kind of like bubbles and. Mm-hmm. But this is like very sharp. The design is very sharp on the back end. And they they talked strangely. I I think it was because it was a European event where the NX is much more popular than the RX. Mm-hmm. So they talked a lot about how it compared to the NX. And I but I found that to be very strange because it's obvious like comparison is the RX just in terms of of sizing and is most comparable in terms of wheelbase is about the same size as an RX but actually much smaller on the exterior. So better packaging. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, I thought that maybe you would feel the weight of the batteries, but I don't know if I'm nuanced enough to really have uh, detected like that extra weight. Yeah, that actually brings me to one of my next questions, which you mentioned a little bit that, you know, track driving for a fairly short amount of time maybe isn't the most real world scenario. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, does it feel like an electric Lexus or does it feel like, you know, a Lexus was sort of an afterthought electric powertrain? Did it feel like a fully baked, this is really a Lexus RZ and they did it this way, the right way? I'm pretty reluctant to like say that it's a complete success just because of my limited time with it. But I was very impressed with this electric powertrain. I know that the range, I know people have been complaining about the range. Range is is a separate issue from mm-hmm. from the way that it drives. And I really feel like they've taken their time. This is obviously a very important vehicle for both Toyota and Lexus. You know, the one thing that they really talked up and, and as they have since the introduction of, well, I guess the IS is this Lexus driving signature. And I had just gotten out of the LX and like basically went to the airport and flew and drove the RZ. Oh, and I don't want to like say that I'm buying completely into this like <laughs> corporate brand, like, <laughs> but like there were obvious parallels. Like, I mean, the, the size and you wouldn't be able to do what I did in the RZ with the LX, but the turning, everything about it, They've really locked into this, like, really confident driving. It's much different than, I would almost say that it, it's what they envisioned as they introduced, like, the GS in 2013. And yeah. As, yeah. They, as they progressed to become a more performance-oriented brand. They really needed this, like, formula that they could apply. And, and I think it's actually been quite successful like kind of to bring it back around i don't you know i didn't feel like they designed the rz and like oh well we might as well make this a you know our first electric vehicle it definitely feels like from the ground up this is the beginning of you know the electrification of lexus i'm encouraged that's good that's good i definitely think people should feel encouraged about this vehicle evs aren't for everyone i know that you're not necessarily a proponent of evs in general but this is a really solid entry particularly in its driving characteristics it's really hard to get a sense of you know range range is i think is going to be the big and even from the reviews of other people that were there at the event range is a big issue but Mm -hmm. i don't know how to really put that into perspective in terms of my overall experience with it yet you make a good point that when you live with a car like this range is sort of um it's one aspect right like the Mm -hmm. same way that quality and reliability and speed and you know balance everything factors into people who really purchase cars and sometimes it's easy to get stuck on the spec sheet part of it and say oh well the range is only 225 miles okay well it factors in as one point with many others to a lot of folks so i don't know that it's the same way but i know 
that for a long time people were buying EVs and having other cars to drive say mm-hmm. on on a longer trip and that's becoming less and less of an issue but on a day-to-day basis 225 miles is a is a fairly decent range if it's something that you're using as a commuter car and yeah i think that that's where this car shines and you know the other journalists that were there were were much more well versed in evs and how the, the the rz compared to you know the eqs and and a lot of people really uh love the the ix the oh the bmw the bmw ix yep they said they said if they were recommending a ev to anyone that the ix is the one that they would recommend but i think Uh, that's like a hundred thousand dollars minimum but exactly and and i mean that an x5 level vehicle is much different than what this rz is Another you you hit on it a little bit, but I'm curious what your thoughts were on Direct Four. I know the RZ is the first product that has this new all-wheel drive system. It's supposed to be controllable, you know, front to rear. You can change the ratio and change how the vehicle mm-hmm. drives. Did you experience much of that? Like, if you did, any thoughts? Well, we were discouraged from uh, from switching any of the drive modes, so I wasn't able to kind of get an idea of how say sport mode compares to comfort mode or anything like that but the standard drive which we were in it was very sure-footed i think that that's the best way that i could put it when you consider the weight and i can't say what it is offhand but evs are are generally quite heavy right didn't feel that on the track didn't feel a lot of you know left to right shifting as i was you know doing any uh real cornering but i wouldn't be able to like call it out because it's such a brand new experience you're talking about ev brand new <laughs> brand new all-wheel drive system you know different it's a lot setup. It, it's a lot <laughs> different to kind body of dis- style yeah it's kind yeah. of a, it's a lot to discern what is affecting each point of the drive right mm-hmm. so in total i felt like it was a very confident driving experience but to be able to say that this was the direct four and and this was the steer by wire that that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult right that that, that's fair i guess i'm curious if you were going to buy an rz which i don't know i kind of feel like an rz would be something you would like yes very much um yoke or no yoke no i wouldn't do the yoke no yoke no it's just confusing enough i don't and it's what do they say like reinventing the wheel like literally <laughs> like that's essentially what it is and, and yeah. it didn't really make a lot of sense it doesn't make a lot of sense i think the way that they've sold it there's this idea of they've moved the instrument panel to make it more visible and oh. by cutting off the top of the steering wheel well they're able to show more information and and that's kind of like how they were selling it i would say but in the way that they've designed it, there's no full rotation, right? So mm, right. I should have said this off, off the top, but there were two elements of our driving experience. And one was on the track, and then the other one was, was a very tight slalom course. To a point that it wasn't really a slalom course at all. It was more like an encouragement to drive the car slow. Mm. <laughs> like, so you're, it was almost like a parking lot where you're going very slow and you're really hitting the limits of that yoke steering wheel. And that was really disconcerting. When you're hitting the limit of a wheel and you know you're not going to be able to turn anymore, it's a mental thing. Because, I mean, the same thing happens when you're driving a a car with a traditional steering wheel, right? Like, eventually you're going to hit the point where the steering wheel is not going to turn anymore. Yeah. But when it happens so fast, 
it really takes you out of the moment and makes you feel like, what am I doing? Like, am I going to, am I going to drive over these cones? And I never did, but you just don't have maybe the confidence. And I, I think that would fade probably very quickly, but it's not something that I feel needs to be fixed. So, and I would imagine the, the pre, the price premium on it. I don't know if I would recommend it, but it's definitely worth, you know, anybody who's, who's thinking about it. I know that the yoke steering wheel, at least in the first year run, first production run, I don't even think they're going to have it in North America. Oh, so that makes sense. It's, yeah. it's going to be like the next, the next uh, model year, but they're, they're directly like with uh, Europe and I would imagine everywhere over there, Japan and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, we're going to, are going to have it right from the get go. Oh, nice. And I think it just depends on like, oh, I want to have something new. I want to have some sort of new experience. I, I can appreciate that. I just don't know if it, if it's necessary. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Even, I don't think that it was just a marketing gimmick there, you know, the technology, like you said, like the technology of steer by wire means that like, if it's weighted and implemented correctly, the yoke can make sense because like you said, it never has to make a full rotation. Mm -hmm. That's something Tesla did not do. So right. like having to make full rotations with essentially half a wheel is difficult. Like, I, I, you know, I say, <laughs> I say all that, but the EV segment is full of people who are early adopters and looking right. for the latest and greatest. Yeah. And even if this just, just was a marketing gimmick, which I don't think it is, I think it was wise for Lexus to create something like this for those people to gravitate to. I think that this is something and they're going to see how it goes. And, and there wasn't really much talk of it coming to different models. They were actually quite tight-lipped in general. Um, there was a lot of Europe-specific stuff like charging stations and, and, and things like that that they're going to be offering to European customers hmm. that we're potentially not even going to see over here. So That makes sense. There was a real focus on what what is going to be available to them. And I've lost my train of thought. What was I even talking about? <laughs> I was I was actually going to ask you, was there any any other Lexus models you saw out on the tracker that anybody referenced might have been there recently? <laughs> <laughs> wink, yeah, wink. Yeah. Stay yeah, tuned. Yeah. yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. I did not see any other vehicles, but there were some mentioned mm -hmm. that we may reference later on in this very podcast mm, wow yeah, yeah, so uh know. you know any uh, okay on that note anything else that you'd like to see lexus address or update on production of the rz were you pretty happy with it as as is or like was there anything where you were like oh you know maybe they should fix that before this thing rolls out no other than the software <laughs> but <laughs> no i i try not to get too excited about vehicles uh i find that it it can sometimes flavor my my opinions yeah but i'm very excited about this next chapter of lexus and the own my only issue actually is is how closely it's paired to this to the toyota product and that's just an issue with a lot of different things like the lx right is definitely suffers from that pairing with uh, with toyota and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more differentiation, mm -hmm. but I think that that's just the nature of the automotive industry. And I don't think that this is the, this isn't the opportunity for Lexus to be overly creative. I mean, the, one of the things I thought was really interesting is how they were talking about the, oh my God, I hate this car. 
the B4, what is it? BZ4X. I, I cannot remember it. Their, so, so their sub-brand for that is supposed to be Beyond Zero. BZ. Oh, yeah. thank you. I help. think if I tell you that, yeah. 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 So the BZ4X, they talked about how they developed the platform because it's their first dedicated EV platform. They How they developed that, they developed the engine, they developed all the battery technology, and then that was it. That was the only real pairing between the two vehicles. So the entire driving experience of the Lexus is from the ground up, not influenced at all by the BZ. So I think that that's really, uh, I think that's a smart way to do it. I just worry that Tandem is going to, they're going to, well, it's just like anything else that that Lexus makes. They're going to sell everyone that they can make. But I just wonder if that's going to become a, a kind of a trope when discussing the the rz is is it similarity with the, mm-hmm. with the bz yeah i i read a lot of the earlier views of the bz4x and it i think it seemed for the toyota audience you know if there are people in the toyota audience who are interested in venturing over to the ev side like that's a good opportunity but in its own uh in its own right it's maybe not the most compelling choice on the market mm-hmm. but it does seem like the you know the extra power and this lexus specific tuning of the rz has mm-hmm. made a really big difference so and I'm that excited. i mean the the interior is like I said, mm. I would buy the RZ for the interior. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that good. Like even in the short time that I spent, it's that good. It yeah. really feels like something that you would want to spend time in. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, Toyota Lexus relationships, how did you enjoy your time with the Land Cruiser? I mean, LX uh, 600. <laughs> I, I was actually like, cause I, it's funny, right? Like I'm a, I like fuel economy. I was so worried when I was picking it up. I was like, oh my God, how much money am I going to spend on gas? Yeah. <laughs> like, how much am I going to spend in gas? And I was actually, that was my like thing. It was my first press vehicle since I think 2017. Mm-hmm. I had kind of gotten away from it. But as people will be seeing, and uh, by the time this comes out, they will have seen it, hopefully is I've started to do video reviews. And so I was really excited about that. And so that really propelled me through this this drive. And I've tried to take a really critical eye as I was driving it. And I really like this twin, I really like this twin turbo V6. I mean, I know it's not the V8 that some people want, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like really, at, at no point did I feel like it was missing something. Nice at all. And, and I, over our text, as I was driving it, the way that you were like, okay, just stomp on the gas and tell me about this turbo leg. Yeah. And I tried it a couple times and I mean, it did exist. Like there's, I think that just by the nature of its technology, that's just the, the way that turbos are, mm-hmm. but you really have to search for it. I mean, there was never any, there was never any surging. I never felt any surging. You drew, you've driven an LS, you drove an LS 500 when they first came out, right? Mm-hmm. And did yeah, you right. experience the turbo lag with that I car did. that you were called? Yeah, okay. Very much so. And is it not as bad in the LX? It, uh, I don't think so. I, okay. I mean, it has been a while since I drove the, the LS and so I couldn't necessarily say. Back but, to back. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say like when I drove the, the LS, I felt that mm-hmm. and particularly in, in a situation like, you know, <laughs> When you were talking about driving the LS, you know, in a situation where you want to go fast. Yeah. 
like mo- it, like merging or pulling out. Yeah, or something. exactly. Yeah. You you definitely felt it because it required more mm-hmm. more time than you expected. I I at no point did I feel that, Good. and I think that it may just be the way that I drive now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm, that's fair. I'm getting to be a, a an old man on the road, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but like the thing that I really like about about turbos, it's it's that power that limitless power that you feel yeah when you're when you're on a on a highway and you're already going fast it's just like so powerful and uh, mm-hmm. I, I can see how the lx would benefit from say the 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 hybrid that the sequoia has yeah i think that's a really interesting pairing and i hope that that eventually uh shows up but overall i, I actually really enjoyed driving the lx nice I guess we mentioned the LS 500. When's the last time that you drove an LX 570 as a comparison oh, point? I'm just curious because I drove it last year in Plano and I remember, right. you know, we talk about it all the time. I love the Land Cruiser and I always have. And I'd had my GX for a couple months at the point that I went to Plano last year. And I remember driving the LX and getting in it. And my GX felt like an 86 compared to the <laughs> LX. Like, and I was not, not that it's not awesome in its own way. But I just remember it felt heavy, it felt clumsy, it felt slow, like the transmission took its time downshifting and upshifting. And, you know, with a 450 pound weight loss and a 10 speed automatic and a twin turbo V6, that's a lot of change. Oh, I mean, definitely. The the biggest thing, and and this has always been like my angle with reviews, is like, how does it compare to the previous model? Mm-hmm. I personally never enjoyed driving the LX570. I found it to be like just mushy the way that it, it kind of everything's mushy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and the the steering especially, I did not enjoy driving it. And you know, when you're trying and playing with the drive modes like over and over again to try and find something that you like, I mean that really kind of tells you. <laughs> that the driving experience might not be what you want and i like i like the trappings of the lx especially back when i was when i was driving the lx 570 i like everything else about it but the driving experience in the lx 600 is it, it's it's day and night like i remember you know I, I get into it i'm driving and i'm expecting that same wallow the same kind of mushiness and you know you you take your first corner and it just feels solid and i don't think i ever experienced that (laughs) in 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 a full size you know body on frame lexus just the 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 sharpness of its steering and and everything like that i mean it still is large there's no question but i didn't at any point like i drove it in comfort like have you driven your gx in comfort I actually drive it in comfort most of the time. Yeah. That's what I found with the GX is, is it really, you really need to drive it in comfort because you have the adaptive, right? You have the, the yeah, ABS. I do. Yeah. yeah. So just in order to kind of ratchet up the comfort of driving, you need yeah. to drive it in that comfort mode. And uh, that's what I ended up doing with the, with the LX. But when I first picked it up, I didn't really, in the excitement uh, of driving a $130,000 vehicle, uh, <laughs> I didn't really think too hard about everything. And I drove it home. It takes me about an hour and a half Mm -hmm. to drive it from where I pick up the cars to, to my house. And I drove the whole way in eco mode, Hmm. eco mode. (laughs) And I didn't notice. 
Wow. I was like that. Like that is real. Like Eco Mode is the worst. Yeah. In, in any yeah. in any Lexus, it is literally the worst. Yeah. And it was only when, because of the way that they they design it, right? It, it affects the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was like almost home, and I was like, oh, like I'm hot. I'm kind of hot and stuffy, <laughs> right? It's kind of stuffy in here. Yeah. And I, lo- I look, and like it's set at the right temperature and whatnot. And it's like, oh, it's an eco mode. And, yeah. You know, so that really was like an eye opener right straight off the bat was like, okay, like this is definitely a different, like if you, if you drove the, the LX570 in eco mode. Like, oh my God. I can't yeah, imagine actually. No, it, it would be like, it would be like basic training in like a tank. Yeah. Like what you would picture driving a tank. Would be. Right. And uh, I'm really hoping to drive the new Tundra. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I would love to drive the new Sequoia when it's available. This platform that they developed, you know, like you said, for like 450 pounds, they've removed from in comparison to the previous model. I'm like really high on this, on this new platform. Nice. I think if like the Sequoia, man, <laughs> we can't go, we can't go an episode of this podcast without talking, without about talking about the Sequoia, <laughs> Sequoia. <laughs> yeah. but man, like the combination of the of the size and the uh, and the power of the mm-hmm. hybrid and this pla- I mean every time I think more about the Sequoia I'm just I can I can't wait for that vehicle. Yeah. I feel you on that. And speaking of the Sequoia actually makes me want to ask you about one of the most I don't know if controversial is the right word but probably the part of the LX where people have the strongest opinions is the interior. Um mm. Tell me what you thought, you know, screens and screens on top of screens and trim and quality and stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts. Yeah, I like the large screen, the, the you know, the main screen where it shows the infotainment and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% did not get that, <laughs> the second screen that they had, you know, below it, where it's like, it's basically static and just shows you like, oh, you can switch between like the interior um climate and and everything so it just gives you a little bit more information it just felt like a a waste of space and i really feel like they should have i i don't like the two screen setup but it's not because i don't like the the top screen okay like i think it worked really well and it's in a position that's that's easy to to reach i didn't really mind it but there's a lack of cohesion with the lx interior yeah that's how the other and the other thing with with the f sport like the F Sport exterior is is so much better. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. I mean that ag- that aggressive front grille and, and it just really adds a lot of character to to the LX. Mm-hmm. But the interior, like this insistence of like red leather, is cool. <laughs> I don't want to say that it's not cool, but like it's just there's a lot of it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And also like this aluminum trim that they have, great in an IS, but. I I just was like I don't want to drive around in a car a six figure vehicle and not have wood wood like especially in an in a SUV like of course you know with Ferraris or whatnot you know, right you got, the, you got the carbon fiber and your point but that's not what this is your <laughs> point like, about the red leather is so is interesting because remember when I was shopping for a GX and I was like I don't really love any of the interior colors like I'm not mm-hmm. usually a black person because I feel like it gets lost Dirty. yeah like yeah. the the e-crew is so light that it shows everything and yeah. then I saw the sepia in person and I was like eh, it's kind of I don't know it's like halfway between a brown and a gray and yeah. so originally I was like oh yeah you know like 
maybe red and my gs had saddle interior so i don't mind a more bold interior color Mm -hmm. but when i went to the dealership and i saw one that was red you know you look at it in the driver's seat and you're like okay this is cool and then just like you said like you look around behind you and you're like there's three full rows of red leather in here. That's you feel like you're in the stomach of a whale or something like that. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I just with something like that, you want to be like impressed every time you get in, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. want to be like, oh man, I, I'm so happy that I bought this car. Yeah, you want that feeling at all times, and like it was cool. I was like, oh my god, this like that's a lot of red leather, and that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. And then the next time I was like, oh boy, like this it's is a lot. There's a, it's a, there's a lot going on in here. And I mean, like I said, with the, like the lack of cohesion with the center console and it just, I want more, I wanted more. So I was thinking about it and you know, I was like, well, what would happen if I bought this and whatnot? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, if, if I had, if I had the, the, the level of income that would allow me to purchase an LX, I would be easily able to go and buy an esport grill and tell them like okay oh yeah s- swap this out and i'll take the lug you know the yep even the standard or the luxury like i just want the front grill and and do whatever it i takes would do the exact do same that. thing yeah. i'd buy the luxury and swap the grill yeah because i mean so much of the lx is is my problem with the lx is that it's been shoehorned into a position where it can't succeed mm-hmm. and when you get away from that and you think about what the LX truly is and, and you think about what its true competitors are, as opposed to, you know, the whims of, of the market and, and, and the strategic position it's been in, been put in, you know, the LX is a niche product in a lot of ways. It's, very it's much built, so. it's built specific, for a very specific mindset and a very specific person. And, but it's been forced to try and fill this flagship SUV segment. Yeah. And it's not, it's not for that. That's the biggest problem with the, with the vehicle is that it, it's miscast. Yeah. And I think that if you were the kind of person and I am, I, I, I felt this as I was driving is like, I loved how, how I felt in it. I've loved like this, the sense that I had when I was driving it and my family, you know, there's only three of us easily could, could live with this. Like I wouldn't have a single complaint. Yeah. But if I was a person that actually needed a full size SUV for whatever reason that may be, there's going to be a lack of satisfaction. I think that's such an interesting point that you make. Like just the, like just the way you said it was like, yeah, for the three of us, it's great. And I would love it. But if I was actually a person who needed a full size SUV, yeah, which is actually what the LX is, then I'd have some, I'd have some struggles. (laughs) Um, and that, like that really does honestly sum it up pretty well. And you're right. It is a super niche vehicle. It's been People identify it as the Lexus flagship because of price and because it's the biggest. Yeah. But it really does have a level of compromise being based on the Land Cruiser. And I know we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the fact that they refuse to increase the wheelbase is is really that really hinders this vehicle. And Mm -hmm. I would say like that in my mind, like a person that buys a G class Mercedes they're not looking for a full size uh, SUV. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what they're buying. Right. And that's what 
to me in my mind, the LX competes against. I think you're totally right. I agree. And that's just one vehicle though. And, and if somebody wants a full size, uh, crossover from Mercedes, they buy the GLS Mm -hmm. and, but so there's just a lack of product for Lexus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were all expecting the LX to kind of evolve and Mm. they just didn't want it to. It will be interesting to me to see if the GX grows a little bit. Like if the Mm -hmm. GX, if the GX even gets a little bit bigger, it could be a problem for the LX. And uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of forming my thoughts here in real time as you say it, but I like, I'm just thinking about the fact, like you said, again, if I actually was a person who needed a three row SUV, I'd have a hard time with it. And, uh, you know, realistically that probably would be like, you had another kid or two and you guys took a lot of road trips and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, the LX is not a great vehicle at that point. Um, it doesn't serve a family. Well, the, the minute that you have to use that third row is the minute that you're going to be unsatisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're totally right that the LX is sort of positioned in this weird kind of class of one of like, yeah, it's sort of like the G class, but it's a little bigger. So then people sort of, I think, you know, push it up like, Oh, well, does it compete more with the GLS? Well, kind of, um, (laughs) but you know, if the, if the GX gets a little bigger and stays three row, because a lot of the rumors that we've heard about the new GX are that it is a bit more squared off. It's pretty tough looking and it's a little bit more off-road focused. I don't know. It just is, it'll be interesting to see how the LX and the GX are positioned against each other for that reason. Well, yeah. And I mean, I wonder if that's the phasing out of the LX. I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be squeezed by, by the next GX and, it, and I TX. don't know. Yeah. Well, and the TX and I just don't know that, but maybe they're going to be happy to sell. A, 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 and I mean, that's the whole thing. right? And I mean, maybe this, it is that pure, like that yeah. pure niche play, like the GX or like, I'm sorry, like the Mercedes G. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that if that's what you're looking for, uh, I mean, like I, you know, I mean, I said it in the, in my review, but like, it's so capable. There's, it doesn't feel like there's any boundaries to, to yeah. where you can go, even though you like, there's literally no way I would take that anywhere near like a, a, a mud road. Like I just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it mostly because I'd have to clean it to take photos, but <laughs> <laughs> you get, right. you get the point. Like I'm just, there's no way I'm going to do that. And just, but just the idea, like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, like if there was a flood if, if there was like a hurricane, like Mm -hmm. what vehicle would I want my family in? And and this is what it is. Like there's definitely an audience for that, but it's not the same audience as people that like need three functioning rows. Yeah. Vehicle. And it makes sense. Maybe that's the best way to summarize it. It's just like you said, if you, if you're rich or if you're worried about a zombie apocalypse, the LX is for you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, uh, that is definitely the tagline. Yeah. Well, that's the LX and you know, no shortage of SUV product here to keep talking about because, no. uh, last week, some of the new shots of the RX came out, the all new 23 RX. What were your thoughts when you saw that new front end? I was like, if there's one vehicle in the Lexus lineup that needs to have a shorter front overhang, <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> my work here is R- done. R- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's just one, if there's just one thing that they can improve on the RX, yeah. like, and I mean, who knows if that's actually going to be the truth. I mean, we saw those spy shots. Right. It didn't really look, it didn't really look like it, you know, it's hard to say with spy shots, mm-hmm. but 
just the more blunted front end, the, you know, like what we've seen with the NX, definitely a welcome improvement, even if everything else is evolutionary. Somebody that I know on the forum and we text a bit every now and then he was, he was like, you know, I saw your comment about the RX front overhang and I don't know, like, what exactly do you mean? And so I sent him a couple pictures and then I sent him some pictures of front wheel drive based vehicles that have short overhangs. And it everybody does have an interesting feeling about that. Like, to me, you know, in the RX, the RX really is particularly bad, in my opinion, where the front overhang is longer than the rear overhang. Like in yes. a proportional sense, that looks bad to me. Yeah. But there are some people who are like, yeah, it doesn't really bother me that much. You know, I don't really care about it. And mm -hmm. I sent him a comparison picture of the the new Mazda CX-50. And he was like, yeah. yeah, to me, that looks really, that actually looks squished. Like it looks like kind of like pud, like pug nosed, like short. And I'm like, all right, I guess there is, you know, different strokes for different folks. It just goes to say that, like, I guess there's people that prefer front-wheel drive over, over rear-wheel drive. And so it's just hard to, to imagine seeing that and being like, that's cool. But the other part of it that's, I guess, solved a little bit by modern technology, like, you know, surround view cameras and stuff like that, is when you have a car that has that much front overhang, it can be a little bit more difficult to drive, truly. Like, when you're pulling into and out of parking spots, you start to get to that point of, like, how close am I? How close am I? How much more do I have to go? You know, like... You, oh, pull, yeah. you pull into a parking space and it's like, am I over the bump? Am I going to hit the bump? Is there a bump? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like when there's less real estate between what you see and like what you can't see in the front of the car, it's just easier to drive. I, well, we, I mean, we talked about it before. Just like it's I think it's a conscious decision on their part. Mm -hmm. Like they could make that smaller. Yeah. But they choose not to. And Yeah. Well, what did you think about the NX? Did you think that it was? I, I I do think that the NX has a little bit of a front, a long front overhang. Honestly, like when yeah. you, it's the NX benefits from being newer and having some of the newer design cues. So you really have to look at the NX dead on from the side to see yeah. it. But um, it's not as bad as the RX. But yeah, I think that truly, I think that the front overhang of the NX is a little bit long. And I, it's, I think it's. If I'm not mistaken, I think similarly, the front overhang on the NX is longer than the rear overhang. And I just don't like that from a proportional perspective. I don't think it looks good. It's, it is definitely a weird play, but you know, like I drove the, um, and we'll talk about it next week, but I drove the, the GR86 mm -hmm. and it has a really short overhang Yeah, and it felt kind of stubby to me. So maybe yep. I'm just kind of in the middle. <laughs> and I mean, there, like there is the engineering, like the real reason is, you know, the more weight that you have before and after the axles, you know, it becomes hard to sort of shape the road manners of the car around that. Not mm. like anybody's mm -hmm. tossing an RX around the course, but um, you know, after your RZ experience, I don't yeah, want to say know. it's not possible. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is, is that's the first time I've, I can ever remember driving like a cross, a Lexus crossover on the track when mm -hmm. they were like, okay, well take this crossover out on the track and see how it. I remember like, I was bugging you and I was like, what is it like? Tell me this, tell me that. And then like you summed it up so perfectly and you were like, I just can't remember the last time that I was throwing a Lexus crossover around a track. And I was like, yeah. Okay, that's a very point well taken. Yeah, yeah like, it, and so that's another vehicle I think that's going to benefit a lot from this driving signature. I mm -hmm. feel like they've really locked this in. And I, I thought, you know, when Lexus sometimes has a, a tendency to, to be a little uh, metaphoric. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, a little... Hyperbolic. Yeah, exactly. And so when they started to talk about this, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. But like you know as these new vehicles come out and you can feel the similarities between them i think the rx is definitely a vehicle that could benefit from 
a driving perspective. Well, one of the things, there was a second teaser image that somehow showed up, but I don't know exactly where it came from, but it showed the back of the RX, uh, and it did show RX500H, which we have been expecting. And there's a little, there's a little plaque or like yeah. a little badge below it. The picture was too pixelated to fully make that out, but um, it did show like what I'm assuming is probably going to be direct four. So yeah, I'm excited. You know, it does mean after, especially after your experience with the RZ, it does mean that a more confident and more kind of dialed in RX might be around the corner. Yeah. And I mean, that's with the benefit of the added horsepower. I don't know what, what are we thinking for the 500 H? If it's anything like Lexus other 500 H, you know, it's going to be somewhere in the realm of like, 350 to 370 probably yeah, i would so guess that's what i would think yeah that's a, that's another huge benefit like mm -hmm. the rx we all i always forget just how important the rx is to yep. lexus i do i just see it and i think well whatever <laughs> yeah well i mean until you're in the market for something like that it's like you don't really give them much thought especially when you see so many it's just like oh well yeah but it's so important and if they can fix what we think of as the flaws of the current RX, it may be able to continually capture what people are looking for in a vehicle. Yeah. And open you know, and cast a little bit of a wider net too, right? Like I'm not anticipating trading in my GX anytime soon, but no. you know, if something comes <laughs> out and there's truly like an RX F Sport performance with 370 horsepower that also happens to get 35 miles to the gallon, yeah, very compelling. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So when so my wife and I we bought the Highlander. Mm -hmm. My wife's big vision. This is the whole thing. Is that our in laws? We like to like go and she's like, okay, well, I want to have three rows so that I can like bring everybody around. Well, yeah. we've used it like twice. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like I may be an RX buyer, you know, in the yeah. future because that was the main thing about the RX that kind of prevented us from from going in that direction. I think Toyota's own research, uh, they've said it a couple different times, and I think they said it about the RXL and the Highlanders. Like, people generally buy them to have the peace of mind to know that they have yeah. the third row, yeah, but they exactly don't it. often actually use it. So, yeah. Um, it's so funny because we all was talking about, we just talked about the LX and it's non-functional third row and yep. it's just like it's kind of the it's the same thing right it's like a, the it must be just the the overall strategy of, of toyota and lexus right yeah it's just like give them the third row and no one will use it yep exactly <laughs> so true maybe yeah. the, maybe the lx is brilliant yeah yeah <laughs> oh my gosh well i mean it definitely had its moments i guess that will end it for this uh this episode of our podcast yeah, I'm not going to promise any time when we're going to come back, but <laughs> yeah. we will be back. We'll be back. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. It was fun to chat about it. Like RZ, LX, RX. This this was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So amazing. thanks. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, okay. everybody.